Thanks for joining us today. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys. We're quick. We love you guys. Happy New Year. Great to have you guys here. We have a lot of people that watch online as well. Thanks for being a part of our services too. We have a lot of military that watches, by the way, from all over the world. We love you guys. Thanks for standing up for freedom. We're grateful for you. So thankful. Guys, thanks for making Christmas Eve so successful. We had a great turnout at all of our campuses. There were 15,000 people. Thank you guys for bringing your friends and your families a great turnout. I know you came for those hot cookies. I know what's up. I'm not, I'm not dumb. I get it. So no, it was such a great time. And just thanks for making it so successful. And thanks for caring enough to bring your neighbors and your friends and your family, your in-laws and your outlaws. Thanks for bringing them. And uh, it was a great time. Really, really enjoyed that. So I'm so excited about today's message. I've been preparing for this for, for actually months now. Just God's been stirring in me about this verse and, this, and, and the word that God's given me today. So I'm really excited about today because I believe 2020 is going to be a big year for you. And so while you're prepared to take some notes, pull out something to write some things down with, I want to encourage you to take some notes. You can either do that on your app, on the Church Unlimited app, or you can, of course, go old school, pull out some pen and a, and a piece of paper as well. But uh, let's say our mission statement together, first of all. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. Those are all about here at Church Unlimited. Heard about this lady. She was so excited about the new year, you know, and she was like, man, I want this year to be great. I just really want to change the way I think. And uh, as she was thinking about this, she was walking in her neighborhood, and she noticed this old man in, uh, in a chair rocking away on his, on his porch, just having a good old time. And she thought, that's what I want my new year to be like right there. Look how happy that guy is. So she decided to be bold, walked up to this old man. She said, excuse me, sir, I just can't help but notice the good time you're having. He goes, yeah. And she says, that is so great. That's what I aspire to be like. I just have to ask you, what's your secret? Like, what's your secret to life? Because, man, you really look like you're having a good time. He said, honestly, he goes, you know, I smoke three packs a day. I drink at least one bottle of whiskey over the week, eat all the fatty foods I want, and never exercise. She goes, that is incredible. May I ask how old you are? He said, I'm 26. So a lot of times our habits can catch up with us. I believe that God has a better way for us to live. And so we're going to kind of unpack some of that today. And, but but as, I, as I get started, I just really believe this isn't just a word, just a, just a message. I believe this is a prophetic word that God has for you that I want to speak over you for this next year. And so here's the key verse. And, and I want to talk about this verse because this is a verse that God gave me months ago to prepare for today. Actually, I, I should say about five or six weeks ago, I believe the Lord was stirring me about this. And I'm excited to give this to you today. And so let me just read the scripture. It says in Zechariah chapter 8. Zechariah, by the way, let me just set this up. Zechariah is kind of an apocalyptic book. In fact, if you read the beginning of Zechariah, it's pretty harsh. He's like talking to Israel saying, God's telling you, you got to get your life right. You got to repent. He's going to basically, you know, bring destruction on you, all this kind of stuff. And you're thinking, whoa, this is not good at all. But then towards the end of Zechariah, it, it starts to become very redeeming. And he says, but the Lord has done that. But now God is going to turn things around in an instant. He's going to bless you. He wants to do great things in your life. And this is when he says in Zechariah 8, 15, he says this, but now I am determined to bless Jerusalem and the people of Judah. So don't be afraid. Today's message is called Don't Be Afraid. And this is our phrase for the year 2020. This is your year to don't be afraid. Say that with me. Don't be afraid. You know, the Bible says fear not or don't be afraid over 365 times. That means there's not a day that God wants you to live in fear. He wants you to be living in faith every single day 
this next year. I love how it says, though, I am determined. God is determined. In other words, God is not going to bless you based upon whether you think you deserve it or not. It's not based upon how good we are. It's based upon how good your God is, how much he loves you and wants to bless you. So why, why if he wants to bless us, would he say, don't be afraid? This may surprise you, but it's because we are afraid of being blessed. I know it sounds kind of funny to think about that. You think, no, I'm good. Just bring it on, right? I mean, we're good. But actually, the way God wants to do great things in your life, he wants to bring on so much blessing that we have a tendency to push it back and say, oh, no, no, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't need all that. I don't deserve all that. But God is telling us today, it's not based upon whether you think you are deserving of it. It's based upon God says, because you are my people, and I'm your God, and I love you, and I'm determined to bless you. So God wants it to be a new year for you, a year of blessing, a year of fruitfulness, a year of great things. But that also means we need to put a bow on 2019. We need to put a period on this last year because maybe this last year was rough for you. Maybe this year it was not an easy time. Maybe you think, man, Pastor, honestly, I, I kind of went through it. It was, it was not easy. It was not good. I mean, there's some real difficulties for me. And, and you're telling me this is going to be a different year. How, how do I get past what I've been in the middle of? How, how do you do that? Well, let me show you scripture. Lamentations chapter three says this. The Lord's love never ends. His mercies never stop. They are new every morning. Lord, your loyalty is great. Did you know God's mercies are new every morning? So that means why don't you just let the Lord sprinkle some mercy right now on your past. Sprinkle some mercy on what you've been going through and allow it to be a new year, a new changed opportunity just for you. So I'm just going to ask the Lord right now to, in your mind right now, just put a period so we can start a new sentence, so we can start a new chapter, a new opportunity, because 2020 is going to be big for you. I believe it. And I'm asking you right now to receive this in your spirit across all of our campuses. Somebody get excited because God's got something new for you today. He does. As I thought about the phrase, don't be afraid, it took me straight to Joshua. Joshua in the Bible is the guy who the Lord told over and over again, don't be afraid. He basically said, be strong and be courageous. Courageous is the exact opposite of living fearful. And so God wants us to be courageous. So I just want to take this first chapter of Joshua chapter one and break it down for you on how you can have a new year. This is a chapter where we see God says to his, his servant, he says, hey, you know what? You're going to now lead the people of Israel, my people, into the promised future, the promised land I have for them. So let's pick up in scripture. I want to give you four simple things today, how you can begin to live not afraid and make this year your best year yet. Joshua chapter one, verse one. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Now, right off the bat, God tells us something here, and maybe you didn't catch it. It's easy to miss it. It's easy to say, hold on, nothing's happened yet. Just as God spoke to Joshua, we don't know anything to do yet. Actually, there is something very powerful here that many people miss, and that is that you name someone successful, anyone that you think is just really crushing it, maybe someone in business, someone in athletics, someone in education, entertainment, in politics, you just name them. Whoever it is that you think, man, now they are unbelievable. They are crushing it. They're killing it. They're doing an amazing job. And I promise you, whoever you point out, they are riding on the coattails of a mentor. Someone has coached them. Someone has taught them. Someone has poured into their life. Let me read this again. Check it out. Don't miss this. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, what? Assistant. So the whole time, Moses was talking to God. Joshua was holding his coffee in the background watching this happen. So he got a front row seat 
of watching Moses interact with God and God interact with Moses and then Moses take the advice that God gave, the wisdom God gave, and then go and apply it to leading the people. So Joshua wasn't scared or shocked in how to lead because he got to watch it. In fact, he had the best vantage point because he got to see when Moses messed up so he could make a note. Don't do that, right? Sometimes that's the best position to be in. Make sure you don't make that mistake, right? And so that's the position he's been in. And so if you want this year to be a breakout year for you, if you want 2020 to be different than 2019, and I want to challenge you, number one, remodel the way you think through mentoring. Remodel the way you think through mentoring. Maybe it's a class, a book, a course, finding a mentor, formal or informal. I want to challenge you to do this. In fact, you don't have to do this, and I'm not trying to do some big giant advertising, but I've decided that the Lord's put on my heart to actually mentor here in our church some executives, some business leaders, some entrepreneurs. If you feel led to do that, you can sign up. There's, a, there's something you're bulletin about. If not, don't worry about it. I, you don't have to be mentored by me, but be mentored by someone. I want to challenge you to say, well, why are you doing this, Pastor? Because my mentor challenged me to mentor others. And so I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Some of you right now not only are led to have a mentor, but to be a mentor to someone else, maybe a mentor to some young man or young woman. Maybe, you know, the Bible says that let the older women teach the younger women, let the older men teach the younger men. The problem in our church is I can't find any women that, can, that will admit that they're older to teach the younger women. I mean, it just kind of breaks down right there, you know. But the point is this, is that we are supposed to be mentoring others and also uh, being mentored at the same time. So I want to encourage you, Paul was mentoring Timothy, right? Timothy was mentoring other people. We need to be doing this. Jesus had his disciples. It's a powerful thing to do. So I want to encourage you to be mentoring others and get mentored by someone. In fact, I want to encourage you to take it so far that you make it formal. And so I want to encourage you, maybe you're in sales and you're not the top salesperson in your company and there's someone who's just crushing it. I mean, they're just killing it. And you think, man, I want to be able to sell like she does. Then I want to encourage you to go to that person and say, can we just grab a coffee or something? And so I want to encourage you to make someone, have it be someone the same sex as you are. So that way there's, there's no improprieties, no, no weirdness there, nothing like that. But, but find someone who is top at what you do and say, can I take you to lunch? I just want to ask you some questions. In fact, I will even go this far. I've done this before with people, and they didn't think it was coming. I've actually taken an hour of their time, answered, yeah, they answered tons of questions from me, took a bunch of notes, and I say, and this is for you. And I've paid them. And they're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't want this. I, t- I know you didn't, but I don't want to waste your time. Thank you for doing this. And you say, well, so I'm paying them for them, right? No, you're paying them for you, because now you take the knowledge seriously because you paid for it. It's amazing the difference this makes. And so if you formalize it, 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 it's a game changer. Some of you say, well, pastor, the one I want to mentor me, I can't get to him. There's just, just no way the person I want to mentor, and, and if, they're, if they're doing that well, they may be famous in their field kind of things where you think, I can't get them, they're busy, there's just no way. Well, if they're that good at what they've done, they've probably written a book about it. And so uh, years ago, Rick Warren told me this, books are people. So if you read their books, you're getting them. So read their books. My wife told me, she said, I want to be mentored by Beth Moore as a young girl. I want to be mentored by her. She was so powerful. She first heard her in college and, and was blown away before Beth Moore really became who she is today. And, uh, and she was on the rise and, and she said, I can't get to her. So she said, I just did all her Bible studies. I did all of them. And so she has been mentored by Beth Moore because of that. She's just recently in the last few years been able to meet her. So the truth is, is that it's powerful. You don't have to have direct access to the person to be mentored. If you can, great. But if not, don't worry about that. Get their materials, take their courses, their classes, listen to their podcasts, get their books. You are being mentored when you read, when you listen to those things. If you will listen to the right podcast, the right audiobooks in your car, you can get a PhD in information just driving around wherever you're going, listening to information and not simply listening to music. I want to encourage you to do this, but get a mentor. Have someone pour into you. It is a game-changing thing 
to do this. And so I want to encourage you to, to find someone to mentor you. Let me keep moving. And so he says this. So we know that Joshua, oh, let me show you scripture. I'm sorry. Exodus chapter 33, check this out. This is a great example. It says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord could, uh, would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. I wonder how many times after God spoke to Moses, Joshua would just sit there and listen. He was probably taking notes from Moses. And I wonder how many times when Moses would leave, Joshua would stay there. I wonder if the Lord ever turned to him and said, Joshua, your time's coming. Hope you're getting his notes down. Hope you're watching how I speak to my servant Moses. Did you know, by the way, it uses the phrase, my servant Moses, three times in Joshua chapter one alone, 13 times in the book of Joshua. But not until the end of the book of Joshua does God say, Joshua, my servant. So throughout his life, he actually becomes the Moses of his generation. But the best way to become the Moses of this generation is to listen to the Moses of the previous generation. Wisdom comes from others. And so I want to encourage you, don't just seek knowledge, seek relationship. Because if you can do that, you'll not just get, learn what they do, you'll learn how they think. And then you can apply how they think to your situation. If you'll do what they did, you'll get what they have. Let me say that again. If you'll do what they did, you'll get what they have. And so mentoring is a game changer. Let's keep going. He said, Moses, my, son, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Some of you just need to know today that God brought you here because he's trying to tell you, I know what you're going through. I realize what's happening in your life. And God's saying, I will not fail you and I will not abandon you. I am with you. Be confident. Be encouraged. You got this. You got this. So what does this mean for us today? Number two, on the known word of God, step out into the unknown territory he has for you. On the known word of God. Here's what this means. This means you need to be finding a promise in God's word that applies to your situation. Did you know there are over 5,000 promises that God has made to you in his word? That's 5,000 checks God has signed waiting for you to cash in on a few. And so you can claim those verses that apply to your situation and stand strong. Find a promise and stand on it. I want to encourage you to do that. God has so much more for you. I want to mention something to you. You know how he goes over the boundaries here? So he says, hey, you know, all the way north of such and such, south of such and such, west of so-and-so, and east of so-and-so. Why is God doing that? By the way, let me just say this. Scholars tell us that when they actually did cross the Jordan River and the Israelites took over the promised land, they took over a small portion of actually the boundaries God gave, which means this. God is promising you more than you could possibly even take. He has got more for you to do than you even have time to get to, which means that if you're not dead, you're not done. God has more territory for you to take, more opportunity for you. It's time for you to possess the promise of God in your life. This is your year. This is your time. There is more for you to do than you even have possibility of time to even do it. So step out into the unknown that God has for you. How do you do that, Pastor? 
Man, I feel like I'm spinning in a hundred directions. I, I, I don't even know which way's up anymore. I mean, I feel like, I mean, you're saying I need to know God's will so I can go do that. I need to step out into the unknown territory that God has for me. I don't even know where that is. I, I need to hear from God. How do you do that? I've told this before, but I want to share it again. Speed, speedboat racers uh, are actually encapsulated in, in like a pod. They, they, they have a, a, a uniform on two and a, and a helmet that helps them that if the speedboat crashes, it won't break their neck. It won't kill them because what happens is these boats are going over 100 miles an hour gliding across the top of the water. And if they dip too fast, they can go, the nose can go into the water and it'll cause them to flip. This means you're hitting the water and, and being shot into the water at over 100 miles an hour. Well, water becomes like a wall at that speed. So what happens is that they're shot into the water, and, and, and they don't just go down five or 10 feet. They go down way down because of that speed. What happens is their body's spinning. They're a little bit out of control. And so they've, they've been trained what to do in this situation so that they don't drown. They've learned to get still in the water and ball up. If you ball up and wait long enough, because you're wondering, you know, which direction is up, which direction is air. If you ball up long enough, eventually the buoyancy in your body kicks in and you eventually begin to move in a certain direction. And when you do that, you know what? You know air is that way. So then you begin to swim like crazy in that direction to get air. In the same way, Pastor, I've just been spun in so many directions. I've just gone through a big mess. Get still. Be still and know that I am God, says the Lord. If you'll do that, he'll begin to speak to you when he does and pulls you in a certain direction. As soon as you sense him, begin to swim like crazy in that direction. So you pray to the Lord like it's all up to him. And then you work like crazy, like it's all up to you. It's not one or the other, it's both. And if you'll do that, if you'll work and put all your might into the direction that God has shown you, then he'll put his might behind your efforts. And then God will, in other words, add his super to your natural. Do everything you can in your power, but trust in the Lord with all his power and amazing things can happen this next year for you. I want to encourage you that God has something big for you, but you got to get still long enough to hear from God. He's got some unknown territory for you to take, a promised land that he has for you. Let's keep moving. Check it out. He says this, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Let me stop there. He says, you are the one. Would you please write that down somewhere in your notes? You are the one. Let me tell you why this is so important. Because we've been taught in our society, especially if you've grown up in a religious home, you've been taught to be humble. Humility is a good thing. I'm not suggesting you not be humble. But we have, we have falsely claimed and believed that humility means we never attempt anything big. That's not humility. That's lacking faith. Being humble is recognizing that God is the one who does it all through you, but we need to live big by faith. And so we have to be willing to recognize that you and I are the one. Maybe you had a grandfather who was a well, wealthy person and, and did well in business, and they paid for all the kids' college and the grandkids' college. You think, wow, they were amazing. Maybe God's tapping you on the shoulder saying, you are the one. You're going to be the old guy one day because of all the business you do that you'll be paying for the kids and all the grandkids' uh, college education. You are the one to do that next in your family. Maybe there was a neighbor when you grew up that, that really lived for the Lord that helped all the kids in your street accept Christ and find the Lord and was like a missionary to your street. And God's now tapping you on the shoulder saying, you are the one. You're going to change your neighborhood. You're going to change your community. Maybe God's tapping you on the shoulder saying, you're the next preacher, the next evangelist, the next communicator. Maybe God's saying, you are the one that's going to make a difference in, in your business. You are the one to make a difference in education or in politics. He's tapping on the shoulder and he's saying this to you. Whatever God's put on your heart, he's saying, you are the one. You're the one that's going to make a difference now. You're the one. It's time for you to step up, Joshua. This is your opportunity. God gives us this story because he's saying, you are the one. 
You're it. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're it. Tell them. You're the one. God wants you to do something big for him. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. See, it says it again. Why does the Bible repeat itself? See, we just use exclamation points in our language, but in, in the original Hebrew language, they just said things over and over again. It was like the extended rap remix. You are the one. Be strong and courageous. Wicked, wicked, be strong and courageous. He just repeats, right? And so my kids are really going to make fun of me for that. Okay. He says, be careful to obey all of these instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning you to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Huh. Does that mean God wants us to be successful? Right there in Scripture, he says you'll be successful. Please do not confuse this with Americans, uh, America's form of success. That may not be it. I have a brother-in-law and sister-in-law. Jessica's sister married this amazing guy. They're an amazing, godly couple. He went to medical school. He is a surgeon. And so he could stay in the States and make a ton of money. He's very good at what he does. He was trained on some of the best surgeons in the world at UTMB in Houston. But guess what he did? He, instead of doing that, joined the Army. He, he served out his time there, uh, helping guys come off the field in Afghanistan that were very wounded, helped them repair. Then after that, he finished that out. Now, guess what he did? He went to Honduras. I, I asked him, I said, do you ever want to make any money? What's up? You know, like he keeps doing, using his gifts because he doesn't care about that. I love this about this guy. So here he is, former Army, former Marine, and yet he is taking his skills he's going to Honduras. He's doing surgery in the middle of nowhere. I've been there. Let me tell you right now. Did you know when you give to Church Unlimited, you're supporting that, by the way? Isn't that cool to know that? At Church Unlimited, we support missions happening just like that. Love that. So here he is, incredibly talented surgeon in the middle of Honduras. Their hospital is so successful that the side of Honduras he's on, the country said, we don't even need to build a state-run hospital here because you guys are better than that. And we're just going to let you handle this side of Honduras. That's how good they are at what they do. Wouldn't you agree with me that he is successful, that they are successful at what they do? So when we use the word successful, it doesn't always mean wealth, opulence, you know, cars, money, uh, houses. It doesn't always mean that. It could just mean you're successful at what God told you to do. I'm not looking for that. I want to be a successful pastor, changing lives. And so to me, that's my definition of success. Maybe your definition of success is be a great professor or teacher to be a great coach pouring into the lives of students. Maybe for you, success is being an amazing stay-at-home mom, raising great kids that love the Lord. That is incredible success. So do not confuse success with meaning that we're all supposed to have a corner office and be CEOs. That's ridiculous. Some of you may be called to that. Great. But he says, whatever I've called you to, Joshua, I will make you successful if you don't deviate from my word. He goes on to say this. Isn't that good? Come on, someone needs to get excited in here. He says this, study this book continuously, this instruction continuously. Meditate on it day and night so you will, be, so you will sure, be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Again, he uses the word twice, that repetition. He's saying, if you'll do this, if you'll follow my truth, follow my word, you will succeed. You'll become successful at what I've called you to do. And so why is this important? Proverbs 13 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Some of you right now, you pull up to your office and you get a little sick inside. I'm just being honest. Some people I know, they pull up and they pull up into the parking lot before they go into work and they're like, oh, I'm back. Oh, I have to work with these people again. Some of you are frustrated by that. What happens is we start off with a job we love. That's why we wanted the position. But then you get passed up for promotion enough time. You deal with enough drama with, with employees or, or people you work alongside or your boss or whoever. 
and, and eventually you get a little sick. You're like, I just, I just don't like being here. I need to tell you something. I need to warn you something. If that's you, you're lucky to still have the job because most organizations cannot survive with that kind of attitude. But I want to help you turn it around. So here's what you do. You begin to apply what we're talking about, begin to believe God for bigger things in your office, begin to live that out by the way you work and begin to expect God to do new and great things through you. And if you'll do that, guess what? People will start to appreciate you at work. They'll see the difference you're making. They'll see you got a little pep in your step. You're, you're showing up a little earlier, staying a little late, working through lunch, giving it your best, bringing your right attitude. You begin to do that, guess what? You won't be passed up again. All of a sudden, you'll have that tree of life. In other words, you, you hope deferred, like one day this is going to happen. It'll finally, that one day will become this day. So I want to encourage you. Some of you, when you see your spouse, you get a little sick. I know it's kind of funny, but the truth is, this is how divorce happens, is that you've been holding out and holding out and waiting for them to change, and that they're going to change, and it's just not happening. And so what happens, eventually, you look at them, and you go, you just made me sick, because I had an expectation, and you're not meeting it. Instead of waiting on them to meet your need, I want to challenge you to put all the onus on you and say, I'm going to become a new spouse. I don't need a new spouse. I'm going to become a new spouse. I'm going to begin to treat them better. Whether I think they deserve it or not, I'm just going to treat them well because of who I am, not because of what they're doing. And if you'll begin to do that and to show love and care for them, guess what will happen? They will eventually respond in kind to you, and you will get that new spouse you want. In other words, quit waiting on change. Be the change you want this year, and you will see it begin to happen. So what does this mean for you and me? Number three, move from high intention to high activity. Move from high intention. This means we're like, man, yeah, you know what? I really love to get in shape. You know what? Intentions don't get you in shape. Saying, I want to go to the gym has never got anyone in shape. Going to the gym gets you in shape, right? Saying, I want to eat healthy doesn't help you lose weight. Eating healthy helps you lose weight, right? Saying, I want to be close to God won't get you there. Praying to the Lord each day for just a few minutes will help you draw close to the Lord. In other words, you have to do something different, not just keep thinking about it. You got to move from high intention to high activity. Do something different. In other words, if you want this year to be new, then we need a new you to get a new year. Do something different to get a different response. If you will do that, get specific about what you want to possess in your life and begin to move towards that. I want to give you two questions to ask yourself. Here they are. Here's the first question. Write this down, please. What one habit can you start that will change 2020 into your best year so far? What one habit can you start? See, here's the problem. We try to start 20 things, and then we're unsuccessful with all of them. Instead, this year, do it differently. Just say, I just want to do one thing consistently different in my life, and just pound that one new activity into a habit by the end of this year. If you'll do that, you'll be different. Then next year, pick a second habit. Five years in, you're a totally different person. It's just one habit. We, we keep trying to do too much. Just do one thing. Figure out what is that one thing that would really change everything for me, and I want to challenge you to make that your new habit. And here's the second question. What one habit do you need to give up? In other words, we need to replace the old habit with a new habit. Or as the Bible says, put off the old way and put on the new way. Put off the old man and put on the new man. If you want to be a new man, a new woman in Christ, you got to put off the old and put on the new. So take one habit that you're going to replace, that old habit that needs to be replaced with. I want to challenge you to do that. And here's why I'm mentioning all this is because, because of this. Instead of wanting to advance your position in life, focus on advancing your habits. And your habits will advance your position. 
me say that again. Instead of wanting to advance your position at work, you're an intern. You want to be in management. Start acting like a manager while you're an intern. Now have those habits put in place in your life, and someone will finally recognize that and give you the position you want. You're in mid-management. You want to be the leader of the department. Start acting with the responsibility of the leader, even though you're not, and start putting those habits in place. And eventually, when there's an opportunity, you will be advanced to be the leader. You want to be the executive in your company. Start acting like a CEO. Think like an executive now and begin putting those uh, plans in place and those habits in place. Whether you ever get the position or not, eventually someone will recognize it. You got to put the habits in place. Otherwise, we keep saying, if you'll just give me the opportunity, God, then I'll change. And God's like, no, you change now, then I'll give you the opportunity. Quit waiting on the opportunity to come to you. Become the person you want to be, and life becomes imminently easier and better on you if you'll be hard on yourself. If you're easy on yourself, life gets hard on you. If you're hard on yourself, life gets easy on you. When I challenge you, you got to begin to have new habits, begin to think differently. If you begin to do things differently, everything will change for you. Someone told me a long time ago, one of my mentors told me this. He said, pastor your church like it's double the size, just whatever size you are, and eventually your church will be. We have consistently seen that happen in our church over the years. In the same way, apply that to your life. Pastor your business like it's twice its size. Eventually, it will be. Pastor your education level like it's twice its size. Don't go get your, your, your associates like you're getting your associates. Act like you're getting your PhD while you're getting your associates. If you'll do that, your grades will be incredibly better. You'll apply yourself more. And guess what? You're on your way to that PhD. In other words, you have to think larger than you're currently living and then begin to live that size. And what will happen is your habits will elevate you even if no one else will. In other words, be so good, you cannot be denied. Be so good. Why are we going to be this good? Because we are Christians. We have Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We have his promise. We have his word. Do we believe this stuff or not? Let's live this out. God has so much more for you and for me. And if you'll do this, number four, on the other side of your fear is your dream. On the other side of your fear is your dream. Joshua 1 verse 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you. You know what happens at the, at the next chapter in Joshua, the, actually chapter 3? They actually cross into the promised land. They cross over the Jordan River. Now, all the people that crossed over the Jordan River, they were either little kids or weren't even born yet when their parents crossed the Red Sea on dry land. Maybe you've heard of that miracle, right? God parted the Red Sea so they could escape the Egyptians who were trying to kill them, right? And so they cross over, and then when the Egyptians chase after them to kill them, God brings the sea back in, drowns them all out, and so he gives a miracle to the people of Israel. And so these kids grew up with that story. But now God says, you've been hearing a story of a miracle in the past, but now I want you to have your own miracle. So you're going to cross the Jordan River, and I'm going to part the waters just like I did for your parents with the Red Sea. And here's why I want to tell you with that. You need to get tired of telling the old miracles of your life because God has new miracles this year for you. Amen. New miracles in your life this year. Quickly, quickly, I want to wrap up with this. There are three, three times he says, be strong and courageous. And each time he attaches something new to it. If you want to live a strong and courageous life, these are three things real quick. I'm going to say this at the beginning. We'll close it up. Three ways to build your courage. How do you be strong and how do you be courageous? He says, be strong and courageous because I'm going to help you inherit the land. What does that mean? It means have a promise of God. Find a promise in God's scripture for whatever you're dealing with and stand on that promise. It'll help you be courageous. Second time he says, be strong and courageous. And he says, and stay in the word. So get in the word daily because someone who's in the word, it becomes known. You live differently when you're in the word every day. And the third one, he says, be strong and courageous because I'm with you. My presence is with you. 
So if you, will, if you will do what? Stand on the promise of God, stay in his word, and be in his presence. It means you're, you have an active prayer life. You're seeking God, you're praying. Praying doesn't mean you're some monk in a cave. It means while you're walking into your business meeting, you go, God, thank you that you're with me. I thank you, Lord, that you got me. You know what I do when I walk out here sometimes? You don't realize I'm holding my notes in one hand. The other hand, I'm doing this. And I'm like, Lord, I'm just holding your hand. Thank you for walking me out to the stage right now before I deliver your word. Thank you that you're with me right now. Jesus is right here by my side. Lord, I hope you're blessed by the message I'm bringing today. Amen. He is with me. Does that make sense? And if you will do these things we've talked about today, then this will be your verse at the end of this year. Proverbs 13, a longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. God wants to fulfill your longings. He did not put dreams and goals and aspirations inside of you to frustrate you. He put them in you because he is a God who is good, who fulfills his servants. This year, he wants to fill you up with his goodness. Who receives this right now? If you do, pray this prayer with me. Just take a moment, Lord, and just say, Lord, I receive this. I believe this is from you. Just receive that in your spirit right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you know this is spoken to you, God brought you here today to hear this. Just receive that goodness. I don't care what mess or drama you've been in the middle of, God's putting a period on it right now, and we are starting fresh in Christ today. That anger you have towards someone, let it go. That frustration you have, let it go. You are bigger than that. God has more for you. Let it go. Put a period. Let's start a fresh sentence. Let's start a fresh chapter. God, there's something new for you today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let this be your new moment. God, I thank you. This is a new year. And Lord, I thank you that your word says you're renewing me. You're making me new. Jesus says, I will make all things new. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never received Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you can pray a very simple prayer and you can receive Jesus as your Lord. Pray this prayer with me right now. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.